There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You are listening to the longest-running weekly episodic Filipino wrestling podcast. This is the Smart Gilas Filipinas podcast, and it's a bonus episode of the podcast. Now, the reason why we have this bonus episode is just to pay tribute to the namesake of this podcast, which is our national basketball team, Gilas Filipinas, or as we call this version, Gilas 3.0. For those of you who don't know the story, um, you know the podcast is an offshoot of the wrestling Facebook group that we started some two years ago. Facebook.com slash groups slash Smart Gilas Pilipinas. And uh, my friends uh, Jocks and Ro, one of the co-hosts of this podcast, uh, we came up with a name uh, two years ago during Gilas's run at the 2013 FIBA Asia Championship. And, you know, it was just funny. It was a play on words and it was inspirational because everybody was talking about Gilas, right? So, and because, you know, as a smart wrestling fan, people who know what, what's going on behind the scenes, that's how, we, that's how you're a smart. Kaya naging smart Gilas Pilipinas. So, in case you didn't know, now you know. All right, now, we might as well just put this episode out, especially since uh, Gilas just capped off a, st- a very commendable run. At the FIBA Asia Championships, it's nothing to be ashamed about. And in fact, this episode is nothing to be ashamed about as well. Because uh, for this episode, I actually got to sit down and talk to one of my personal idols and the author of one of my favorite books of all time, Pacific Rims. He's also a features editor at Grantland. And I'm talking about Paeng Bartolome himself or Rafe Bartholomew. He'll be sitting down with me in just a bit. We'll talk about Gilas. We'll talk about Pinoy wrestling, as in the 80s one. We'll talk about PWR. We'll talk about wrestling. Even Grantland, his time over there. The departure of Bill Simmons, who is another one of my personal heroes. So that's something uh, we'll get into. And so much more. So that's going to be fun. Uh, no ravishing Ro Moran and no Rowdy Raf Camus for this episode. Because uh, I, I did it all by myself yesterday. And both of them were unavailable for one reason or another. But they'll be back for the next episode of the SGP podcast, we actually have a huge, huge guest. But for now, sit back, relax, and let's pay tribute to Gilas 3.0, and let's listen to um, my, my, my chat with Rafe Bartholomew. Enjoy. All right, I'm sitting here, uh, and I, I'm in a Google chat call after like three attempts. We finally got it to work, <laughs> and I'm here with... Uh, I got to say this, man. One of my personal heroes and, and the author of one of my favorite books of all time, Pacific Rims, Beerman Balling and Flip-Flops in the Philippines, <laughs> Unlikely Love Affair with Basketball. He is also Grantland's Features Editor, Rafe Bartholomew, joining us on the SGP Podcast. How's it going, Rafe? 
It's been a long time coming in a lot of ways, Dan. I mean, uh, not just with our previous technical difficulties tonight, but uh, also, you know, we've been meaning to put this together for a long time. So I'm Four years, excited actually. to do it now. Yeah, years, years, exactly. You know, I remember meeting you, wow, was it right when the book came out? I mean, something like that, years ago in, in Manila. And so it's cool to be doing this. And it's also fun, you know, I mean... I, I remember meeting you back then and following you on Twitter and stuff. And then all of a sudden seeing you pop up in radio and all these other places. I was like, wow, Stan's really, you know, Stan's doing it. Thanks, man. That really means a lot to me. I mean, like when I met you, I was still doing my, my internship under the PBA. So I was just a grunt then uh, delivering the starting five lineups from the locker rooms. <laughs> That's OB Vance of, of uh, I think it was still under Solar at the time. So yeah. um, I, I guess in, in a lot of ways, both you and I have come a long way since, since 2011. And I mean, for in, in a lot of ways, you could say that it all sort of begins with, uh, you know, Philippine basketball. No doubt. No doubt. It's uh, it, it's crazy how um, I, I guess the, the passion just, you know, seeps into everybody and then, and then they manifest it in different ways. Like I, I've always wanted to just, you know, be a sports journalist and cover this. And then I ended up being in radio. But I, at some point, I always find a way to talk about basketball, especially now in a national consciousness about the sport, again, is at an all-time high because of the Asia Championships. That's right. I mean, well, what? We're recording this. It's, it's uh, Friday night in the, in the U.S., where I am Saturday morning in Manila right now. And later tonight for you guys, Gilas plays China for the championship. Yeah, it's at 8.30 p.m. I'm already riling, uh, rounding up some troops, but we can go to a sports bar. We can just you know, kick back some beers and hope we don't get our asses kicked tonight. It's going to, I mean, playing in China, I mean, you talk about, you know, uh, especially thinking about WWE and wrestling and, uh, and uh, fixed results, you, you worry about the worst case scenario of uh, what the referees could have in store for, for Gilas in this game. But, uh, you know, I, I, I'm hoping it won't be that way. And I, I mean, I, I expect them to, to try and play through it no matter how bad the, those kind of things. You've been following Gilas for quite a while, Deba. I mean, um, I remember two years ago when, when we, were ha- uh, we, we had home court and we faced mm. Iran in the championship. In a way, I kind of heard murmurs then, parang, wait a minute, this is too good to be true. The Philippines is the host country and they make it all the way to the finals. And like the way I see it from a narrative standpoint, I guess their performance this year is proof that 2013 wasn't just a fluke. Well, of course. And and I think that is not that much of a surprise to people who have followed Philippine basketball. I mean, even the other countries in Asia always knew that, that the Philippines had strong local players, but just lacked size. So, I mean, since Gilas, the program started bringing in a naturalized, you know, import player, like, you know, first, you know, Cuyo Marquez, Douthit, and now, you know, a, an even bigger upgrade to Andre Blatch. I don't think it's a surprise that, that, you know, that, that Gilas and the Philippine national team is going to be back in the conversation with, you know, China, Iran, Korea as the as the best teams in Asia. You know, the only it was really just the size, you know, the team, the country has always had the talent. Right, right. And, you know, speaking about size, I'm glad that you mentioned the imports like uh, Marcus and now Andre. Uh, will we do you think we'll ever get to a point where we don't have to rely on the import? I mean, it's, it's such an obvious question because of the size and genetics has always betrayed uh, the Filipino people. But will we ever get to that point where we don't have to rely on someone like Andre Blatch or an, a, a big import? Well, uh, yeah, I think that if you look at, and this, of course, brings into the conversation a lot of the other issues that swirled around this form of the Gilas team, uh, if you could pick the uh, the 
any players out of the PBA without any sort of restrictions and all, and everyone was available. Of course, you know, I mean, uh, Junmar Fajardo is, is I, I would rate him up there with the best, uh, the best big men in Asia, in the FIBA Asia level competition. Uh, you know, he may not, he's not obviously not, uh, hasn't played in the NBA. He's not an NBA veteran, but he's, he is a really talented guy uh, and, and, and could make a big impact at that level. Uh, and I hope he will again in the future when he gets a chance, you know, when things work out. Uh, and then, of course, Greg Slaughter is a seven-footer who's, who's improving. So the Philippines is, is developing its own big men. I think it, you know, the naturalization rule is there. A lot of teams use it, and there's no reason for the Philippines not to use it. I don't, I don't see it as, a, as some sort of uh, mark of... of you know, of I mean, not of of anything to to feel bad about for this team because if you look at how the locals in in Gila's 3.0 have played, it, I mean, Jason Castro is carrying this team. I mean, yeah, he's shooting been, the lights out. He's, uh, he's shooting the lights out. He's you know, I mean, he's blowing by anyone who tries to guard him. He's controlling the game. You know, in, in even when you know when they need to slow it down, he's really. Uh, coming into his own in a way that I think everyone knew he had, could see he had the talent to do, but wow, um, he's really putting it together in this tournament and he just looks amazing. And so it's not just like Blatch is carrying them. Of course, to have Andre Blatch makes a huge difference. Uh, but you see all these other, I mean, Don Don Otivero stepping up in the game against Japan to really sort of, you know, give give the team a boost when they were struggling and hit all those threes. Yep. And and steady play from a lot of, from, from the locals who look world-class on in their own right. You know, it's not just, you know, riding Blatch to the top. From uh, from the from the current roster, uh, Gilas three point it, it's a good mix of young guys and veterans as well. But among them, who fr- from the young guys, who do you see breaking out uh, to follow in Jason Castro's footsteps? Well, you know, I was actually, you know, I, I obviously a lot of fans and and anyone who supports Philippine basketball it was a little bit disappointed when when it became clear that that you know this version of the team wasn't going to have sort of the full spectrum of players uh, available to them for, yep. for injury reasons or whatever you want to call it. Um, so, but, but there was a silver lining in that. And that was that players like, uh, you know, Terrence Romeo, Kevin Abueva, uh, these guys were going to get a chance to, to play at the, at the national level, you know, maybe a couple a year, you know, a cycle or two before they might've made it otherwise. Uh, and it's been fun to watch. Uh, I mean, they've both been sort of game breaking players at different points in time. And, and uh, you know, of course, Romeo, especially the way he, he, as how as exciting as he is, he's playing like at times like you know Filipino Alan, Alan Iverson or something. Yeah, the guy is uh, fearless. Yeah, exactly, and and so they have a chance to break out and show that they sort of belong at this level and and really uh, you know establish something for the future. And uh, so you know that I think that's sort of a silver lining to to the way this has played out. And obviously they're they're right there in the final with a chance to to win a gold medal and go to the Olympics. So they certainly haven't uh, disappointed, even though. Uh, people probably had lower expectations for this team than previous versions of, of Gilas, at least because of uh, the local lineup. 
one of the things I want to touch on uh, now that I'm speaking with you is uh, the style of play. Um, with first with Gilas and second how it relates to to FIBA Asia overall. Because when you look at the NBA, the, everybody's gravitating towards small ball. It's pace in space, ball movement, and all of that, uh, trying to make the offense as fluid as possible. But with the way that the PBA players normally play, it's very it's still very ISO heavy. So do you think that mm. Gilas 3.0 is able to kind of adapt to that new trend that we've been seeing stateside? And is that going to kind of help us tonight or at least moving forward um, in, in future tournaments? Yes, well, I think uh, the... So, I mean, it's it's the NBA is a hard league to compare to, to others around the world, you know? I mean, so, I mean, the... the the P- the PBA doesn't have to play like the NBA does because the PBA the, you know PBA players are different. Uh, yeah. So, but but the, the pace and space system, small some small ball aspects. I mean, obviously, especially against world class competition, whether whether or not you you want to call it small ball by strategy or by uh, you know necessity or by no by default, uh, you know Gilas or any Philippine team is going to be you know playing with smaller, quicker guys, and and I think that. In the previous iteration of the team, uh, Coach Chot, he he embraced that. He said, "We're going to play fast. We're going to, you know." And he he used the dribble drive, and he was going to, "We're going to use our players' uh, ability to break down defenders and get by guys and create havoc uh, to to our advantage and create chances to score." Uh, and I think that's smart. And I think. You know, Coach Tab has come up with his own ways of doing that, um, and of course, the, the 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 at in the FIBA Asia Championships is a different. You know, it's not quite as stiff a challenge as uh, the the World Cup last year. So, uh, you know, you've seen how uh, Andre Blatch has been, you know, really dominant and can really uh, can really get the attention of the entire opposing defense at times and and make life easier and really. Uh, create space for guys like Romeo and, and Castro and all of the really the, the the shooters or the the quick guys who are just breaking down their guys to 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 get to the basket and and make make things happen even when they're missing you see uh, you know Ping and and Calvin Abueva and and Ranadel they're they're getting in there and getting rebounds and cleaning up whatever their misses because of all the open space. All right. I want to ask you now about narrative because I'm a huge fan of crafting narratives within sports and seeing what kind of stories play out. So uh, that being said, for Gilas, for Gilas Pilipinas as a whole, or at least for this country, will uh, hmm. will we ever have another narrative other than we're the underdogs who just love basketball so much but never quite make it? You know what I mean? Yes. I, yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, I mean, I think that the country thrives uh, at the moment in the under, of course, in the underdog role. I think people embrace it. I mean, it's very, uh, it's, it's sort of the, you know, it, 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 it runs through history, you know, so it's, it's not, it fits very comfortably. Um, I think that in Asia, the way things are going, the way that the, the, the national program with uh, SBP and, uh, you know, the last three versions of the Gilas team, it seems like to be a, a perennial favorite, and that's going to be an adjustment. Obviously, we if that played any role in the, the loss to Palestine to start the tournament, you know, coming in, it seemed like the players weren't 
necessarily expecting the level of intensity they faced from a team whose entire tournament was going to be made by upsetting them in the first game. You know, that, that used to be the mindset you would see in, uh, in, you know, in Gilas when they would play a big team and they would have to go up against Iran or Korea or something, you know, Mm -hmm. now, you know, now teams are coming after, coming after the Philippines. Like it's like, like it's the same. Um, So there, I think the underdog, you know, uh, role might be, you know, shaken off in, in, in Asian competition, but the more exposure Gilas gets at the world level, I think they're, they're going to remain an underdog for uh, a while uh, for, you know, the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think uh, they, that it's, it's, it makes him very, I mean, the whole, world when they watch those tournaments i remember last year in the world cup you had you know the in the game against argentina you know the 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 entire sort of uh u.s nba you know blogosphere people stopped what they're doing to watch jimmy alapag go crazy against argentina in the second half and Man, i remember that sort of going crazy with him so the the uh, you know i uh i'm happy to see i'm happy to see the uh, the country exceed ex- the the world's expectations of them in that underdog role. It's it's really exciting, you know. The country is uh, is is sort of you know punching way above its weight, or at least what people think in basketball, and and showing uh, showing the world, you know, kind of that Philippine basketball. Yes, it's it's it has it's about puso and spirit and and the love of the game, but it's also about how good. The game is played in this in 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 this country in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Now, um, one of the reasons why this whole conversation got together again is because uh, so, um, one of your colleagues on ES, uh, at ESPN, Brian Campbell, uh, screenshotted mm. a photo of you from the post uh, SummerSlam Raw wearing a Gila shirt. Uh, that was that was cool because uh, it's not every day that you see an American dude wearing a Gila shirt. Number one, and number two, that you see that on on WWE programming. So, um, I, I guess I got to say that uh, huge thanks to you and huge thanks to Brian Campbell for like making that happen. I mean, it was just crazy. <laughs> That's right. I, I actually, you know, I, I I put on the the you know the Nike Gila shirt for for that reason because I I knew you know just from watching Twitter and stuff over the years I knew that there's a a handful of people you know like I've seen you tweeting about Raw in the past and uh, uh, and uh, you know Chuck Araneta I know is a is also a, a you know a wrestling fan so I figured and I knew that because I was going with uh, our our writer at Grantland David Shoemaker the Masked Man I figured there's a good chance we'll be have, we'll have good seats, uh, and that when I stand up, I might show up in the crowd. So I, I was thinking, oh, maybe someone, you know, I don't know. If they're watching, uh, they're watching Raw, and I'm standing there in Gilas. Uh, didn't happen live, but it happened after the fact, thanks to, uh, of all people, uh, Brian Campbell, a boxing editor at, in Bristol at ESPN. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's it's cool. It's great that happened, and uh, I had a lot of fun also doing it. Uh, so it was the first time I've ever been to a Raw live. Uh, yeah, you mentioned that was your first time. So how was it? Because like I've been to a couple live events myself, but I've never seen like a, a Raw taping or or a SmackDown taping for mm-hmm. that matter. How was it? Uh, you know, it's it's. I mean, it's fun. First of all, you know, just it's it's so cool to see the the wrestlers up close. You know, you never you never really. 
you, I, I, you never, I don't know. It's, it's like any, it's like any athlete, you know, you're not prepared for what they're going to look like, you know, in the flesh, you know, uh, 10 or 20 or a hundred feet away from you, you know, you can really see how big some of them are, how small some of the others are, you know, and, and just all the things they do and actually, you know, see the, the ring bounce when they're, when they're doing, you know, spots in there. Uh, all that was great. Um, the other, you know, the strange experience is that, you know, when I, I, I don't watch raw enough, you know, like as a, as a weekly regular, yep. but through, through my work with Shoemaker, especially because we, you know, in the process of editing just one of his columns, I'll usually go back and, and watch clips from, you know, of five different episodes or something. So even without watching it live, I'll get this, this sense for how the broadcast works, uh, you know, and growing up watching wrestling too. It's different when there's no commentary, you know, you're, you're like waiting for the voices to, to you know, to, to sort of play up the action. Uh, yeah. And so it's it's really, you know, and, you know, uh, David Shoemaker's written a lot about this over the years. It becomes more about the crowd interaction, the chants and everything. Uh, and it's funny, he's uh, he, on his podcast for us, Cheap Heat, he's ended up talking about standing there next to me feeling bad because the crowd in Brooklyn that night was uh, was being me, was doing the wave during the Divas match. Yeah. He was like, no, you have to support the Divas. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, it was uh, a very yeah. smarky crowd. It was very smarky and snarky crowd for that matter. Well, that's that's the the reputation of uh, the New York crowd is from from what I can tell. You know, it's like the the smart capital of the world for for wrestling fans. Uh, you know, either that or you know the whole East Coast. If you consider, you know, like Philadelphia, of course, serve as the the birthplace and home of ECW, and but uh, all the indie circuits that that work that work in in and around the New York area. Um, that's uh, it doesn't surprise anyone. I think when the crowd there is, uh, you know, I mean, I think. I wasn't there earlier in the weekend, but the the biggest part, the big sound like the, the 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 most the biggest pops of the weekend were were all for were, were for like NXT events, you know. So it's a it's a it's a different kind of crowd than than you find elsewhere, I guess, in the country. No, you know what? I actually have an idea what you mean because um, I want to talk about Shoemaker and and the work that you do with him, but uh, I'll touch on that in a bit. Um, uh, the reason why I wanted to to talk about the reactions is, um, I'm affiliated with the local independent wrestling promotion, so it's. Uh, it's called PWR or Philippine Wrestling mm. Revolution, and for the last year we've, we've been having shows, and you know it's get, it's been getting a stable, loyal, and humble fan base, and the crowds have always been very appreciative over the last year. But the most recent show we had, which was sometime last week, we had the snarkiest crowd we've ever had. Like they kept really? cheering all the bad guys, all of the heels were there. You know, every heel that won, they would cheer that guy. All the baby face that would try to get some shine, they would just boo that guy. And it was like it was a very surreal experience um, watching a Pinoy crowd, uh, a Pinoy crowd turn uh, full smart. That's funny, yeah. So and so, let me. I, I've seen some pictures and tweets about the about you know it's PWR, right? Yeah, it's PWR. Um, so I've, I've seen some pictures and tweets about PWR, but but I haven't. There's no uh, did, like, do, is it streamed anywhere? Like, can I watch on like YouTube now or something? Yeah, you, you can actually. Um, the the last show from last Saturday will be streamed on GPNLive.com in just a bit. They're still handling post prod. Um, it, it's a very it's a very tough post prod process because um, the setup wasn't. Uh, the setup was more complicated than we wanted it to be. So sure. sobrang bigat ng post prod niya. But mm-hmm. I'll let you know once and it's what, up. 
Cool. And, and what what uh, what arenas are you guys working in? Right now, we're actually working at Makati Square Arena. So it's uh, on the topmost oh, okay. floor of Makati Cinema Square. So it's kind of it's kind of shady, yeah. right? It, it uh, a lot of people have once said that it was a, it gave off the same vibe as '90s ECW or ROH when it was starting out. Nice, nice. Well, that's cool. I mean, that's good indie wrestling. You know, that sort of is the the, the vibe I think you want. And you know, I I, I certainly have fond memories of buying uh, DVDs and DVD players and other things in Makati Cinema Square. So you know. It's cool for me. Um, what's the? Uh, I, oh, I wanted so uh, the. Um, how do you? Uh, are the characters? Are the wrestlers? The 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 personalities in PWR? Are they sort of? Are they based off of? You know, some popular archetypes you see in in like WWE and, and wrestling back uh, back. You know that that starts in the states or wherever. Um, or or is it more of a. Uh, of uh, you know how do, how 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 local does it feel? How like Pinoy do the characters feel? Right, um, right. Or or do they feel sort of universal? You know what? I would say yes and no to your questions because there are some mm. characters that we have who are based on popular archetypes. Like we have this dude called the Apocalypse, who's basically like Kane and the Undertaker. He's got the supernatural okay. shtick going on. Uh, we also have. Um, He's a Hashendero named Jake DeLeon. His initials are JDL. Nice. So it's kind of like a mix of Ted DiBiase and JBL, except he's a good guy. Like, he tries to be a man uh, of the masses, right? So uh, yes. a, a little take on, on Ted DiBiase's son as well. And then you have your original characters, like uh, the, the current champion, classical Brian Leo. So he's, uh, he's, he bills himself as a guy from a first-world country because he's, mm. uh, he's only half Pinoy and he's half Middle Eastern. And uh, his ah. shtick is he's like a local foreign heel. You know what I mean? Like he calls everyone right, right, sons right. and daughters of Pok Poks and jeepney drivers. <laughs> uh, one of the most over characters is this dude called Canto Terror. Wow. So Canto Terror, yeah. Um, his, he's from Barangay 69 in Canto Tino Street in Mandaluyong, which is a real place, uh-huh. by the way, except for the Barangay 69. Uh, I mean, there really is a Tino corner in Mandaluyong. Uh-huh. Uh, so Canto Terror, his, his uh, gimmick is he's always drunk. He always shows up uh, in, inebriated. <laughs> he comes out to laklak by teeth, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, he's all about the beer and, and the tambay life. So there, so yeah. Is he, is he... Like uh, ECW Sandman, kind of. Uh. No, no, Sandman is more OG than Cantatero because, like Sandman, you know, you know, he'll he'll still kick your ass. Cantatero, he's just he's just really popular just because just because you know what I mean. I mean, um, just because of the beer. <laughs> yeah, just because of the whole character. Like uh, that's awesome. Yeah, um, and then the one last guy who I think is standing out right now, his name is Mark Di Manalo. His debut mm. was very much like Santino Morella from 07, where he was picked out of the crowd and inserted into a match, and then he just got over. Because he had this uh, Provinciano stick So he, wow. he, he was very promdi He would speak with a Batangueño accent mm-hmm. And he would just be like Ala, eh, eh, ko si Stone Cold. And then he, he would just deliver stunners <laughs> left and right Wow. Uh, so, uh, and okay, forgive me. I, I, I've, I've always wanted to talk to someone about this and like, you know, there, there are not so many people I know who, who've even seen it before. Um, you know, in, in YouTube, I used to find, uh, and I'm sure they're still there, like the, the old Pinoy wrestling videos. Like, you know, do you, like, did you used to watch like Joe Poggy and those oh, yeah. guys? Like, yeah, dude. Oh, no, you know what? Tell, tell, 
I'm yeah, actually, what are some of the good stories from that? Like, I mean, I, I, I found it one day and I couldn't, I was like, I watched like an hour, two hours of it. I couldn't, it was like, oh my God, they met, they had like Benoit WWF back in the day. No, thanks for bringing that up. Because one of my projects, and this is the first time I'm actually broadcasting this, but one of my personal mm-hmm. projects right now is to do a feature on the Pinoy wrestlers of old. Like, where are they now? And um, right. I've actually touched base with Joe Poggi. So he's, oh, no. wow. yeah, yeah. He he's in his sixties right now, and he's not based oh. in Manila. So that's about as much as I can uh, as I can right. tell everyone right now. Um, I'll uh. let you I'll let you know everything else on private message. But safe to sure. say, he is still he's alive and well. Uh, he's got a lot of stories that he wants to share. I also wow. was able to. Oh, I can... Um, I was also able to find a link to one of their. I'm not sure if he was like a backstage reporter or an authority figure. His name was Mister mm. Q. Um, and okay. he he he's the uncle of one of my one of my kabarkadas apparently, but he passed away wow. a few years ago. So I was like, sayang hindi ko na nabutan. So ayon, wow. um, I've, I've I've been looking for links, and I I'm still starting with Joe Poggi, and then hopefully if that uh, if that uh, pans out well, I can find my way to other um, other links from that era. That's that. I, I can't wait. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember watching that and just being like, you know, uh, so, you know, just like so happy I found it. I was like, I can't believe this is here. It's so cool. Uh, and the name, some of the, I just remember I couldn't, I was like, oh my, I can't believe they made a tag team called Smoky Mountain Brothers. It was just so, so bad. But, oh, that wasn't even the uh, worst. Like the most un PC names were Iggy Igorot and the Bacal Boys. Oh, <laughs> So yeah, it was a very oh, campy good. time, but it was the late eighties. Yeah. I believe it ran for a year, um, because uh, I was actually having dinner with my family sometime uh, th- this past week, and they were like, "Yeah, yeah, there was Pinoy wrestling back in the eighties. It ran for a year on RJTV." So I don't know if you're familiar with Ramon Jacinto or RJ. Are you? I know the name, but I don't remember. That. I mean, it's before my time. I don't know the, the the you know the TV channel and all that. Yeah, um, so so that dude, the guy who re- runs both the TV station and the radio station, he was the guy who mm-hmm. uh, who put that together along with Johnny Revilla. So they were the they they were the guys behind it, and I believe mm-hmm. this other veteran comedian, Gary Leasing, was also very much involved with that product. Wow! And so back then, how um, how much American wrestling was on was on television? Uh, you know, in Manila or elsewhere in the Philippines back then, was there a lot? Um, I, I, I can't tell you from first-hand experience, but I know that right. my dad uh, used to borrow Betamaxes. Like, he had a Betamax okay. of a SummerSlam from, if not the early mm-hmm. 80s, the, early ni- uh, the late 80s, the early 90s. So he used to just borrow oh. these tapes. That's how it got around. That's so cool. Yeah, well, that, that, that's the similar way that, uh, you know, basketball coaches and, and players and people, you know, people who were really into the NBA would, would get their – their NBA games before, you know, before widespread cable and satellite, you know, it was, uh, I know, I remember, so I think it was Dickie Bachman telling me he had like a Suki in Green Hills. He'd go and, and buy, you know, like five, five NBA games every week on, on Betamax, you know? Wow. It's a, it's a different world. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's safe to say now, you know, kids these days are like people like us, we're spoiled right now. <laughs> they don't know what it was like for just one generation, you know, really not that long ago. But uh, it's cool how, how uh, it certainly changed the way that people see wrestling and basketball. You know, I mean, uh, that, that, that uh, I think that Philippine basketball has grown in, and developed in, in positive ways from the influence of, of 
of the NBA, you know, and people can see what what's going on in in the you know in that league on a day to day basis. Where before, you know, the the, the sport was sort of developing uh, on its own for the most part, with you know occasional visits from coaches, some workshops, all these things. But you know now, you know, every day everyone is saturated with information from from you know the rest of the world. Right, right. Um, speaking of seeing things in a different light, uh, you want to talk about, uh, or I want to talk about wrestling and how you know, the discourse has been taken to a different level. And um, I, I, w- I don't know if, if David Shoemaker was the guy who started it, but I know that at least right now he's at the forefront of it. And that's why I look up to him a lot. So I want to ask, first of all, how is it working with the masked man? I, it's great. I mean, I'm, the masked man is one of the writers who I had read you know, before, before Grantland launched and before I had, you know, before I started working here, I mean, I, st- I, I, I began working with Grantland almost at the beginning. Uh, my first day of, uh, my first day of work was, I believe the website's fourth day of publishing. So, um, you know, I've been here since 2011, uh, and, and started working with, uh, with Shoemaker almost right away. Uh, and I was excited because he had, you know, he, he was right. He was already writing the sort of really brilliant uh, dead wrestler of the month or week, you know, whatever yeah, you know, Deadspin. columns in uh, in Deadspin, and those were so cool and interesting and heartbreaking. And and I remember, you know, I had a job before then uh, at a at a, a magazine here in the states called Harper's Magazine, and one of my one of my responsibilities was to make like a daily links for our website. And I remember a lot of times using dead wrestler columns that Shoemaker had written in, in those links. And then, you know, come to find uh, two years later, I'm, I'm, I'm working with him as the, as his editor. So I was excited to work with him. And, and uh, as far as the, 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 the sort of the discourse uh, sort of becoming elevated in wrestling, I think that he's certainly, uh, one of the people responsible for 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 doing that, I think, I, I don't know, I, you know, he would probably be able to tell you all the people who influenced him and and sort of brought him to to start doing it. Uh, and and but I think in terms of widespread audience and and writing, you know, on sort of major well known websites, it, it, he was probably the first guy because you know when he started doing it at Deadspin, I think. It was mostly contained to you know message boards and and sort of fan centric sites that that the the average sports fan the the sort of the sort of regular you know American or now dude from wherever who grew up watching wrestling and maybe lapsed for a few years but now but it still remembers it fondly and still still thought it was interesting and crazy you know we'll go back and read and find stumble into shoemaker's columns and be like oh man yeah i remember that that was you know i used to love you know i used to love the ultimate warrior or you know rick rude or or you know whichever classic wrestler it was that he was writing about back and so he he sort of was one of the pioneers in in the sort of movement of of wrestling writing uh both becoming more sort of very self aware and and analytical and also um very popular you know it's a uh, it's it's a big traffic draw and that's why you see you know websites like Grandland and Rolling Stone and all these others hiring their wrestling columnists now 
It's crazy. I mean, yeah. I mean, when I started uh, reading this on on Grantland, which is an ESPN affiliate, and then Rolling Stone, and just getting all the all, all this coverage, uh, it's mind blowing. Like, um, just like what Shoemaker wrote just a few weeks ago, parang naging cool na to be a wrestling fan. You know, like mm. geek is the new cool, and it, it's become uh, acceptable to an extent. Whereas before, if, if somebody finds out that you're watching wrestling, they'll give you the classic. You know that shit's fake, right? <laughs> Yeah, I remember every time I watched it growing up, it's the only thing my father would tell me. He'd see me, I'd put on wrestling. He's like, you know, that's fake, right? You know, he's not, you know, you know, you know, those guys are just, you know, pretending. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's it's crazy. Um, how how involved are you with the writing process or or in the editing process? Like, are you uh, are you more of the hands on type or the laser fair kind of type? Sure. Uh, I think it depends on on uh, the writer. You know that that I'm working with. Uh, you know, I I. I work with a number of different writers on the site, you know, some of them columnists like, like Shoemaker and some of the more like um, narrative feature type reported magazine kind of writing. But with, with David, you know, he, he's doesn't, uh, he's, he doesn't need a whole lot of uh, guidance in terms of figuring out what to write. Obviously. I mean, he's, he's, he knows this material as well as, as almost anyone, you know, I mean, of course, of course I say that, but, uh, and of course, every time he writes there, you know, I see, uh, lots of tweets that range from either helpful to mean spirited saying, you got this wrong or that didn't happen. So, I mean, and, and of course wrestling sort of inspires that level of debate and passion and people just saying, well, no, it wasn't like that. It was like this. Um, uh, but you know, I mean, I, he, Shoemaker is a, is a writer whose expertise I have, you know, total trust in when it comes to wrestling. Um, and so really, um, he'll, you know, decide whatever the angle and the approach and the sort of the, 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 whatever is happening in WWE or in wrestling at large that he wants to write about and that he thinks is most interesting at that moment. Um, and send me his column. And, and then from there, you know, it, I, the work I do on it is really just sort of trying to like polish it and, uh, and work with the sentences to make them, uh, to make them, you know, sort of as as interesting and readable for for a mass audience, because you know sometimes, especially with the, you know, the, he's he's such an original thinker, and and he gets into these really complicated postmodern sort of cyclical arguments yeah. where you're, it's it's like you know, you know. I, I don't know if uh, you're, you we can curse on this one, but it's like mind fuck. You yeah, know? no, you like, can curse. Oh man, yeah, yeah go yeah, ahead, yeah, totally yeah. cuss. Uh, total, you know, he sometimes the his his uh, his his columns are like total mind fuck wrestling. You know, like oh man, like you know, the, what's real, what's not, the fourth wall, postmodern theory, and so it's it, for the editing with him for on my end is a lot of the time it's just sort of trying to you know make sentences a little shorter sometimes uh you know make sure that 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 what what he what what he's trying to get across uh is is arriving to the reader in the clearest possible form we can do you know in the amount of time we have and so i'll do that i'll give it a full pass and and sort of massage whatever parts i think uh need it and 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 from there, I think it actually helps that I'm a little less of an insider in that world than he is because it's something like if I can follow the argument, then I feel like the average reader can. If I can't, then I need to ask him to sort of figure out a way to add one more point that will make it clearer or 
change something on my end that I think will help or something like that. So I'll do my pass. Then I send it back to, to Shoemaker. And then, you know, he goes over what I've done and, and fixes the parts that, that, that he wants to fix and, and, and does his last pass on it. And then after that, I, I sort of, I build a story on, on, on the website on Grantland and then we send it to our copy editors and, and they, Hello. Um, you know, then it's then it's alive. Yeah. All right. Um, ha, um, the squared circle, which is uh, Shoemaker's book, uh, another one of sure. my all-time favorites. Uh, in fact, so much so that the very first quote uh, in the book, I actually had it tattooed on mm. my arm. Uh, wow. I, I believe the quote. Uh, you know what? Let me just look at my arm right now. Uh, the quote is yeah. uh, "Mundus volt decipi, ergo decipiator," which means the world wants to be deceived, so let it be deceived. Um, it, mm-hmm. it speaks. It, it just spoke to me about you know about wrestling and about life as theater. You know that uh, I, I just felt like it, it, it would mean something special to have it inked. You know, um, the, uh, the reason I brought it up it was I wanted to ask if you were involved at all with the project, the squared circle. Not a whole lot. Um, you know, I think the source material for uh, Squared Circle ended up being, you know, a lot of stuff he had written pre-Grantland. It was, a, you know, a lot of it was based on dead wrestler columns um, and uh, and sort of expanding those ideas. Um, you know, he, David wrote the bulk of the book, I think, in maybe around 2011, 2012. So our first and second years here at Grandland. Um, and we were talking about it, you know, uh, more often just in terms of like, you know, damn, man, I got to go, you know, after this column, I got to go write a, you know, finish a chapter for the book. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and, and then also, um, you know, there was um, ideas that I, a few column ideas that I, that I suggested to him that, that probably would have ended up in uh in the book anyway, but ended up as chapters in the book. I mean, the one that really sticks out to me is I remember um, in one of his early columns, he referenced an old, you know, an old clip of, um, you know, the Reverend Slick and Akeem, the African dream. Yeah, I remember and it was that, something yeah. that, and it was something I had forgotten uh, from when I was, you know, when I was watching wrestling earlier and I watched the clip and it blew my mind. I was like, Oh my, this is like, hilarious and awful and racist and like it's a million you know it's like a one of those classic early not early but 80s or 90s wrestling sort of conundrums of like you know you 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 it's it's aware of how how sort of politically incorrect it is you know the same way as the Bachel boys are mm-hmm. um you know um but it's also you know it's like you watch it you cringe you laugh you sort of you it, it gets so many different reactions out of you and that's when i i, I emailed them it's like man you know what would be great is if you wrote like you know a definitive guide or history of uh you know racist wrestling tropes uh which became a chapter in the book and that was the chapter that you know we didn't end up running it on grantland until the book was out and and then it ran as like an excerpt of that chapter so uh you know that was uh that that's just one of those you know fascinating and disturbing but also essential parts of wrestling history that that you know it doesn't become what it is and it, it without always sort of you know tiptoeing along and inappropriate uh, according to whatever's going on in society at any given moment in time. 
Okay. Um, you know what? I actually never got to ask you about uh, how you ended up being in Grantland in the first place. Because, like, uh, I remember when you were, when I first met you in 2011, you were uh, mm. doing the Nat Geo documentary. I, I think it was Pinoy, Hoop, uh, Pinoy Hoops, right? Yes. Yeah. So mm. um, in the time since then, like, uh, when I saw you again uh, at the NBA game here uh, between the Rockets and the Pacers, mm. you were already covering that along with Network for Grantland, right? Right. Yeah. So how did yes. you, you end up with Grantland? So I mean, this is a it's a it's kind of a funny story, and it does tie back a lot into uh, into you know uh, Pacific Rims in the Philippines, and uh, and and also in even Pinoy hoops. Uh, so like that time in 2011, that month that we met, uh, I I was already almost uh, I think about to, to, to accept the job at Grantland. Um, so that, that was sort of my last, uh, and, and I actually had planned at first when, when I knew I was going to come back to, to shoot Pinoy hoops, uh, it was, you know, going to be in May, 2011. I was going to just stay in Manila and, and stay in the Philippines for, I don't know, in, indefinitely. I was going to try and work on another book and do more basketball stuff and just be, you know, because I had left my job before then at, 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 at Harper's Magazine and uh, was just like, you know, I, let, I, 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 I have the freedom to, I won't, let's go back. Um, but then about, um, I don't know, a month before I was, I was booked to go do Pinoy Hoops uh, and fly to Manila, I got contacted by um, Jay Caspian Kang, who was one of our original editors and writers at Grantland. Uh, and I knew him because of, uh, because of basketball writing online. He, uh, he had written for the sort of the famous basketball site, Free Darko. Yeah. Uh, and I had written for them a little bit too. Um, and, um, you know, we met actually for the first time when I was doing a reading of uh, Pacific Rims uh, in uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. So I was, yeah, I, I was doing a Pacific Rims reading at a bookstore there and Jay just showed up and, you know, we sort of talked in his uh, and at that time, you know, he was actually just a, a high school teacher in San Francisco. So he wasn't he wasn't already sort of off in his writing career. Or he, you know, he is writing, but he, he hadn't blown up, to so to speak, yet. Um, and we kept in touch and would, would sort of joke back and forth for a while, email. And I think at the end of that year, his, uh, he reached out to me because his girlfriend, uh, who actually he just got married to, um, his girlfriend was doing a six-month uh, fellowship in Manila for like a microfinance NGO. Um, and so he was like, you know, can you help her find a place to stay and help her? I wasn't in the, I wasn't in the Philippines, but I still, you know, I could put her in touch with friends and stuff who, yeah. who could help her find an apartment and, and, you know, take her, you know, show her around. So, you know, just be, you know, have, have a few people who, who she could ask questions to. So I sort of helped her with that. And so we were, me and Jay were always in touch. And then when Grantlin, when he got hired at Grantlin, he, um, he sort of, Told the, he told Bill Simmons, our founder, and the other people who they'd already hired, he's like, look, we're probably going to need some more editors. And I think, you know, I know this guy, Rafe, who I, I've worked with a little bit and talked to before. Uh, he wrote this book, uh, and, and he would probably be a good guy. So they got me right before I left to come to Manila and do um, – Pinoy hoops, you know, that month that we met Stan. And then, yeah. uh, after, after that month I came, I flew back to New York, um, and, uh, and went, I think in like 
two weeks time was when from Manila to New York to Connecticut for ESP to Los Angeles, where our office was right after that and, and have been with Grantland, you know, ever since uh, as an editor and, and a writer whenever I can. Man, wow. I, uh, I didn't expect any story. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's wild, Diva. Um, I know that you also do the Ropes podcast for them, right? Mm. Yeah. So, yes. so how's that? How, uh, how, how is it, you know, uh, doing, the, doing the editing? And, and I, I know you, you write columns on different topics. Eh? Like you write about Gilas, mm. you write, mm. um, write about basketball every now and then, and then you write about boxing. So how do you, uh, how do you manage all of that uh, on top of the podcast and everything that you do? Yeah, well, you know, I think every like all digital media, uh, the 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 only the downside of working, uh, you know, for an online publication is that it's nonstop. You know, no matter what you do, it's there's always something new to pick up. There's always some, you know, a new story to edit or write or or something. You know, new, you know, even just little emails to answer, administrative work. It's it's uh, it's it's definitely a, a, a nonstop grind, and the, the web always wants more content, but. Uh, you know, I think the the way it breaks down is my, you know, my official job and the stuff that I have to do no matter what is the editing. I have to make sure that the writers who I work with and the freelancers who I work with uh, are, you know, turning in their copy on time and that I'm working, I'm working with them to make it as best as we possibly can and that it appears on the website, uh, you know, when it's supposed to show up. Uh, then w- outside of that, you know, I... I I feel like, you know, I'm very lucky to have the the platform of Grantland to to explore some of my passions and sort of the the you know I'm I'm really really happy that you know even though you know I mean a big part of me wishes that I could spend uh, you know. Uh, a lot more time in Manila and in the Philippines and exploring basketball stories and just a million other things that I, that I was interested in and loved doing when I was living there. Um, but, you know, I mean, the, I think that uh, I'm very happy that, you know, in this job, I've gotten the platform and the opportunity to sort of continue the, the themes and the ideas that I, that I wrote about in Pacific Rims uh, and, and bring them out to such a big U.S. audience that, that Grantland reaches. You know, I mean, we have the, the readers of Bill Simmons and Zach Lowe are also, you know, also now know something about Philippine basketball, even if they don't know every, you know, they may not know not remember it, but they probably saw his face once on the site, you know, and that's, that's the sort of a, a, a really big point of pride for me that I've, that, I, that, you know, uh, that I've been able to sort of keep that alive and that, you know, that, that other time when me and, uh, Jason Concepcion network on yeah. Twitter, uh, our, our staff writer got to come back to Manila and do this great sort of travelogue crazy story about, you know, um, not just the NBA bringing a preseason game to Manila, um, but also Jason's first time to come back as a Philam since he was a kid and sort of experiencing the country again and all the crazy stuff. With you know, I take him to you know see Sabong and take him to uh, Raisa May and Ipulaga and you know now I'm sending you know just this week you know I keep him in touch you know I'm sending him like you never guess what's going on with Ipulaga now and show him like you the know, all the Aldub stuff. Yeah. Do you follow that? Uh, Do you follow Aldub? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm not going. I'm not gonna fake it. Like I'm, I'm able to watch every day as if I'm in the country. I'm in, at noontime watching, you know, the entire Calle Serie. But, <laughs> um, 
But, you know, you notice when something that big is going on on Twitter and then, you know, and this was like a month ago, you know, or two months ago when you when 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 it really started blowing up. And uh, and then, you know, of course, I get curious. I want to see what it's about, you know, and, uh, you know, I've always had a, a, a soft spot for noontime shows. I I loved, you know, I, I loved watching Wow Wow We when I first came to the country. I saw the clips of you. Yeah. 2006. Yeah. Right. And then, uh, you know, I did was able to, you know, and, and always paid attention, you know, I mean, of course, whenever I, the, whenever I would go back in the past few years I, I, and visit the country, people are always saying, hey, you know, what? And I'm like, and so, you know, so I watched the, I saw, you know, when, when Foranoia was popular and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely caught up on Eldub and all that uh, because uh, you know I like to I like to stay as in touch as I can. You know, it's uh, it's uh, in a lot of ways it feels like you know visiting visiting a slice of home for me. Um, but anyway, in Grantland, um, you know, I, I'm happy that I I'm really happy that I've been able to sort of share some of those aspects of Philippine culture that that. I've, that I've become, uh, you know, comfortable with and, and know something about with with a larger American audience and sort of also prove to people, you know, a lot of people when I first started writing about these subjects in the States, people would say, well, nobody here cares about that. But, you know, I put it on Grantland and it gets a lot of, you know, people read it and remark and comment on it and, and talk about how interesting it is. And you see it show up in other basketball blogs and other stuff like that. So it's not, it, you know, I think uh, the idea it means a lot to me to sort of use the platform for good and 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 also you know i'm grateful for the opportunity that that and the resources that espn and grantland have to allow me to fly back to manila to to cover a basketball game or to write about eric spolstra or all those sort of things that i was able to do there and uh you know it's sort of like one thing can't happen without the other uh, I, I remember you mentioned the, the travelogue, and I actually enjoyed that article very much, uh, mostly because there were specific characters that you mentioned and referenced, and I knew exactly who those characters were. And and uh, when my friends started reading that article, they were like, Sino kaya na rave? And I'm like, I know who that is. <laughs> It was just funny because I was there when, um, when Mr. Legend, when that Mr. Legend thing happened, right? And I was Mr. like, Mr. Legend, yeah. I was like, seriously, yeah, was <laughs> seriously, is this really happening? And like, you know, um, because I'm a huge, uh, huge fan of Larry Bird too. But you know, I, I was just like, I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> so yeah, um, I want to ask if if it's all right, uh, f- um, to talk about Bill Simmons and and the departure from Grantland. Is that something that uh you'd be comfortable talking about? Yeah, sure. Well, you know, I mean, if there's something I can't say, I won't say it. Yeah, yeah sure, sure. I mean, um, how is it like? I mean, because I just saw the news on Twitter. Like, uh, I just came home from a night out, and then I, I went online, and then I, I saw that Simmons had left ESPN. So my first question at the time was, holy shit, what's going to happen to Grantland? Because I, I go to that site every day. So how is it like in the office um, when, when uh, Simmons left? So, I don't know if you know this, Dan, but um, actually, May 8th, yeah, I was in, I, um, I came back because I was on assignment to write about the um, Mayweather-Pacquiao fight from Manila. Um, so I came back the last week of April, uh, stayed in town, watched, you know, watched the fight at the beginning of May, yeah. uh, 
wrote wrote two pieces for Grantman about it. And then I took my vacation so I could stick around for a little while. Um, And um, I remember that night, it was a, it was Friday night, Manila. Yep. Um, I was, uh, I was at, uh, one of my oldest friends, you know, house, uh, you know, people who I met playing in a pickup group, uh, you know, maybe the first or second month I ever came to the country, uh, getting dinner and, and you know, they're, you know, they, they, with their, you know, seeing their kids and everything. Um, and we had, so we we're eating like, you know, they had ordered shakies where I'm, I remember I'm like eating like, you know, mojos and, uh, and all of a sudden, my phone starts blowing up with like, "Did you see what happened? Did you see what happened? Bill is fired. Bill is gone." Jeez. Um, so, it was in a special, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a special shock and surprise for me uh, because I wasn't even in the country when it happened, and I didn't see it coming from a mile away. Um, so, um, it, you know, the the news of his firing in May. Uh, you know, took me as uh, definitely by surprise. We didn't, um, you know, it, everyone in ESPN and, and certainly at Grantland, I think, knew that um, there was tension between him and the company um, and that it, there was a question of whether or not he would resign. Um, but for for me, uh, he, you know, one, he did a good, or, or he was very sort of selfless in shielding the staff from, uh, from, how negative his interactions with the company were, were becoming as that process was going on. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't know that, that, that it had gotten to that point. Um, and also uh, it always, I always had the impression from what I read and heard that it was sort of like the ball was in his court uh, and that maybe he wouldn't resign, but he would make that decision and probably tell us, you know, a month beforehand, okay, guys, I'm not going to resign. Uh, this is, you know, so, you know, eventually we'll move on. Um, instead, of course, ESPN sort of beat him to the punch. You know, it's like, you know, your girlfriend is going to dump you. So you dump her first. Yeah. Um, uh, and so it was extra surprising. And on top of that, I was out of the country, which uh, on one hand could make it, uh, you know, more difficult. Uh, but at the same, in the end, I think I was, I actually am a little bit grateful that I didn't have to be, uh, I wasn't here for the the most stressful weeks when everyone was going crazy. And, and there was, you know, lots of, uh, lots of scary meetings. And, and, and I was just like, I just said, you know, you know, I'm, I'm going to enjoy the rest of my time. I'm here for 10 more days in the Philippines. I'm going to travel a little bit, you know, and, uh, and I actually, that week, if you go back, uh, in my Instagram, I, I was posting, uh, I had a bunch of uh, some Bill Simmons fans sent us once at Grandland, a bunch of, uh, of stickers, that have his face and say Simmons for sports czar 2016. Yeah. And so my Instagram after that happened for the rest of my trip, I was uh, going around everywhere and I, tra- I was traveling a lot. I was, uh, I went to, uh, you know, I went to um, uh, Banawe, Sagada, Baguio. I went all the way to Baler. Wow. Um, and, and I was putting, uh, I was putting these Simmons stickers in like little places and taking pictures of them with like, you know, uh, to quote, to quote uh, Regine Velasquez in Magic Sing, uh, the beautiful Philippine sceneries, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I'd, so you, so I have like 10 Simmons pictures. So it was sort of like my, uh, my little tribute to Bill. And, uh, and then, you know, I got back uh, two weeks after he'd been fired and we got a new editor and, you know, it's been, uh, it's been, you know, people, everyone was sad because uh, we, it's, it was exciting to come work for him. He's a, a you know, my generation, 
generation of uh, sports fans who we all uh, grew up reading and looked up to and enjoyed. And uh, he was a fun guy to work with. And, and so, you know, uh, I definitely miss him. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the job has remained, uh, you know, the, the company has stood by us for the most part since then. And uh, I've been able to continue doing stuff that I like. You know, I just, uh, you know, I got to write a big story about, you know, about Ray Ray Parks and uh, and keep doing the kind of work that I like doing. So uh, as, as hard as it is to move on without Bill, uh, it's also good to keep having a, a, a cool job. <laughs> Um. Yeah. I'm. Uh. Man. That that story. I. I. I didn't see it coming either. Um. And and, I. I guess Simmons was one of the first guys who I regularly read. Like. Uh. And and that's the reason why, uh, as a sports fan, I'm this opinionated. Because you know when when a guy is so unapologetic with what he says and how he says it, it kind of just encourages people. You know. So like. Uh. Nung nangyari, I was heartbroken. But you know, I'm glad that he's mm. now with HBO. Like, I'm looking forward to seeing what he what he does next. But um. Uh, who's who's running? Grantland now though I mean who's the main yeah, main so, man in charge? So they um so they so they they named uh, a an editor in chief an interim editor in chief uh, is Chris Connolly who's um you know a, a, people from the states recognize him because he's been on TV for a lot for for decades he's a uh, he's a you know is uh, a reporter who was on MTV News when I was growing up. I remember him, you know, doing all the VMAs and stuff like that, hosting lots of stuff. Um, And then since then, he's worked for ABC on doing Dateline, like uh, sort of, uh, you know, uh, Dateline is like uh, Eyewitness or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, Doing doing those kind of news magazine shows and also doing uh, sports news magazine shows for ESPN called E60 segments. So he's been with ESPN for a long time. He worked for he worked with Grantland a little bit um, previously. You know, before he he was named our editor, he was the um, he would do um, video segments with Bill and and our film critic. Uh, Wesley Morris talking about, you know, movies that were coming out. Um, and he was a common podcast guest on Bill's podcast. Uh, and, and so, uh, and he had previous experience as a magazine editor. And I guess he was interested in, in, in taking on the, the sort of trying to oversee uh, what, what Bill started. And, and so he's been the editor ever since. And, and we're going to see if he, uh, if he stays on or if he, uh, and sheds the interim tag or if, uh, or if, they decide to, uh, you know, either hire someone from within as a new editor or, or someone, you know, we don't even know who it is. All right. Um, I want to ask uh, just a couple of questions because uh, I realize we're about to hit an hour. Uh, sure. A uh, couple last questions. One is, will we ever hear you guest alongside Rosenberg and Shoemaker and Stat Guy Greg? Wow, I don't know. Um, you know, if, uh, if there's a big... Uh, if there's a big uh demand for it you know make it happen uh, i don't I, I it's possible of course because i'm you know we all work together pretty closely i mean they record that in new york i live in la right now but i i'm originally from new york so i travel back there quite a bit um and uh i i mean i actually haven't met rosenberg face to face but and he doesn't and i haven't told so i haven't told him this story yet but uh one of my friends and high school basketball teammates was one of his first interns at hot 97 wow. uh, the radio station he's on in new york so so we have like people in common um so uh whether that comes out on uh 
cheap heat or if it comes out, you know, just when I say what's up to him someday, it'll be fun. But of course, I mean, that is an awesome podcast. One of our best podcasts. I mean, those guys are so funny together. Such a good rapport. It's it's really great. I mean, even if you're not into wrestling, it makes you listen. And uh, it uh, they're they're super funny. The I mean, they I get their drops stuck in my head. Their their drops are starting to get in my head the same way that the old basketball Jones drops got in my head. So you know, I'm walking around like going like Neville, and, yeah. you know, doing all their <laughs> doing all their things. They, uh, they chop you so, chop all that. Yeah, I mean, all, yeah, and like they, the, uh, you know, it's still real to me, damn it. I mean, it, it's, those things are, are stuck in my head now. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, you know, my, my friends, when I told them that I was going to talk to you, uh, they, they wanted me to ask if you'll ever be back locally again. I mean, like, um, I, I know you were back for the Mayweather fight, but, uh, how often do you fly back into Manila? So, I mean, you know, it's it's both uh, for me, it's not enough. But at the same time, I have to remind myself how lucky I am because I know, you know, I, I have friends here in New York and in L.A. or wherever who are, you know, born and raised in Manila, you know, and, and haven't had the opportunity to go back you know, uh, to, you know, visit, visit the Philippines for five years or 10 years. So I'm, I'm lucky that so far since, you know, I mean, I lived, so I lived in, in, in Katipuna in Quezon city from 2005 to 2008. So three years. And since then, since I moved back to the state at States at the end of 2008, um, I've been back to the Philippines almost every year, sometimes, uh, twice a year, for you know, I'd say overall two weeks to a month every year, which you know, I mean, for you know, like for me, it feels bitin like I want more. Um, but at the same time, I'm lucky that I get to come back that much and see friends and and stay in touch with people and still write about the country and do all these other things. So um, that's 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 how much I get back. I'm I'm hoping to to come back in uh, early. Uh, 2016. Um, I, I think I'm going to plan it. I, for all, all the times I've been back, a lot of them have been work-related and very busy. And so I'm actually trying to uh, to just plan a, a a vacation where I will I will you know buy my own ticket and stay in you know probably stay in Katipunan because I can't. I always stay there. I want to see. I want to see all the old people. All the people I used to see on the street every day. Um, stay there and, and hang out and just see all my friends for, and, and see everyone and, you know, go on, you know, go on podcasts and hang out with you guys and do all those sorts of things for, for a couple of weeks and not worry about, you know, any kind of real work. Uh, so I'm hoping to do that early next year. And, you know, if the with the right opportunity, I would, I would love a, a chance to, to, to try and stay for a long period of time in the country. Again, hopefully that comes before I'm like a, you know, crusty old man. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, even, you know, even if, uh, even if I, it doesn't happen for a while, I imagine I'll keep showing up as often as possible until I can hang out for a, an extended period of time. Hey, if and when that happens, let me know. I owe you a beer for this one, man. Uh, I swear to God. Game, game. Um, is there uh, one last question? Is there a follow-up yes. to Pacific Rims in the works? Um, well, you know, I, I think I'm always going to find ways to, to continue writing about, uh, about the PBA and basketball in the Philippines. And, and that's sort of a goal of mine, uh, you know, uh, 
but as a full book, it's going to be hard um, just because the the publishing business is is not a very strong one, you know, and it was a uh, it was difficult to convince pub an American publisher to to buy Pacific Rims in the first place. And the unfortunately, now that it's there, it's going to be harder to get the second one out, you know, because if I go back, it's likely they will just say, "Well, you already did this book. Why would you do it again?" Um, and yeah. I can say, well, there's a million stories I didn't tell in there. You know, there's there's only one chapter on Hinebra. I could write three books on Hinebra. There's only, you know, I didn't. There's only one, you know, there, there's only there's only one chapter on 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 imports, and I really only talked about Billy Ray Bates and blah blah blah. You know, there's there's a million different. Uh, I I know as most of your listeners and pretty much, uh, you know, uh, probably. <laughs> Oh, probably, probably, well, not probably, definitely millions of Filipinos know that there's a lot more basketball stories to tell. Um, so uh, for the time being, I'll probably try to keep writing about the sport and the country, long-form writing through magazine, you know, kind of magazine-style work, uh, which, you know, I mean, I think a book would be cooler, but I think this is not uh, a, a bad substitute. And if you... Uh, of stories that sorry sorry I've written no, at Grantland. oh sorry Sigi. um i was saying that you know um I'll, i i always plan to keep writing about it you know sort of piece by piece story by story you know and if you look at it um story by story if you put together the word counts and the amounts of subjects and everything that that i've gotten to write about just at grantland over the last four and a half years you know it's uh Almost, uh, it's a small book. It's probably like a 180, 200 page uh, book of 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 more uh, Pacific Rim style stories. So, um, you know, there's, there, I'll keep working on it forever. Um, and if uh, if I ever get it, if I can ever convince another publisher to let me write a book about it, it'll happen in a second. But if I can't, uh, I will still figure out ways to to write about the country and the sport. All right. Thanks, man. I mean, uh, I, I, I don't know if I've said this or if I can say it enough, but, you know, having somebody just write about us, our, our country, our sport, our passion uh, to rep us on that world stage the way you have, it just means a lot. You know, so thank you. Well, you know, I mean, I, that I, it means a lot to, to hear that from you and to people who have said stuff like that to me over the years. And, and I'm really grateful for, you know, the the, the opportunity and 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 just hope that uh you know when i when i do write that i that i continue you know representing uh the country well and and sort of showing you know sides of it that that you know the rest of the world might not know yet uh but can find really interesting and really inspiring and really cool and and uh you know make it the kind of place that uh i mean i hope that someday you know, basketball fans view the view the the Philippines as a place to to make a pilgrimage to. You know, and I think it should be. I think that, you know, hardcore basketball fans should make it a point of their uh, put it on their bucket lists to visit Manila, visit Cebu, visit the provinces, go to a PBA game, see a UAP. Uh, they probably can't get into Ateneo La Salle, but see a UAP game uh, and see and you know see see the sport. Uh, in you know one of the best atmospheres in the world for it. All right, thank you so much, uh, Rafe Bartholomew, Grantland Features editor, author of Pacific Rims, and one of my personal idols. Idol, salamat. Ay, salamat din. 
A huge thank you goes out once again to Mr. Rafe Bartholomew for hanging out with me and for you know spending time with us and making time for the SGP podcast. Now, I got to apologize for some of the bits where Rafe was talking, tapos medyo naputol. You know, the connection wasn't perfect, but we did the most with what we had. And, you know, I, I guess that's one of the hang-ups about when you're at the mercy of technology, at the mercy of third world internet connection but we did make it work as best as we could so i i have to thank uh queer chris of the mellow 94 7 tech group because he was the one who was responsible for hooking up my laptop with the console which is how rafe and i were able to uh to chat on google hangout and how it was recorded so seamlessly and seemingly effortlessly better yeah it did take a lot of effort so um i'm sorry about those those little bits na medyo naputo so i'm sorry for uh for that, but moving forward, we're gonna try our best to uh, to get like a secure internet connection when we record an international guest once again. And believe me when I say that Rafe Bartholomew is not the last international guest we'll be having on the podcast. As for this coming week, Rowan Raff will be back, and we'll be having a very vocal supporter of PWR and somebody who's had some wrestling experience in the United States. He'll be dropping by, and we're gonna have a chill conversation on the SGP podcast. So that's coming up. In the meantime, and in between time, do follow us on Twitter. It's at underscore Stan C, at Rowizwar, at Caveman Camus. And for the podcast, it's at the SGP podcast. Don't forget to let us know what you think. So just subscribe, follow, rate us, tweet us your comments and your feedback. We sincerely appreciate it. And if you if you love what you heard from Rafe Bartholomew, go follow him on Twitter as well. It's at Rafe Boogs. Spelled at R-A-F-E-B-O-O-G-S. All right? I'm going to be enjoying the rest of my Sunday. I'll be catching straight out of Compton in just a bit. And as for you, you enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Or if you're listening to this in the middle of the new week or as the new week starts, have a great week. Catch you again on episode 82 of the SGP podcast. All right? Peace out. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.